So I'm in a series that I've, that I've been jumping in every time I get a chance to, to minister, and I thank God for Sister Karen there who gets to come up and rightly divide the word of truth, and along with Pastor Ralph and, and Pastor Jim. And um, it's good. It's good that we have a diversity of voices. So uh, for me, I've been doing a series called The Corruption of Divine Purpose, and we're looking at a specific passage here from Proverbs and uh, tonight, I'm going to talk about the lying tongue. But first, I want to say, I don't know about you, but I experienced most of the day the enemy just was trying to, there was a funky spirit of distraction. Did anyone feel that today? Confusion, distraction, frustrating of your plans. Well, it was just me. I guess it's because I'm preaching tonight and he wanted me to be distracted. But I just bind that in Jesus' name. I take authority over that. And uh, we don't give place to the enemy. So, talking about the lying tongue, how many of you know there was a, a show on uh, a few years ago, it's in syndication or on cable or stream or whatever, you want to watch it now. Uh, his, it was a doctor and his name was Dr. House. The, the show was just called House. Anybody ever actually watched that? Okay. All right. He, he's, a, he's a carnal individual. You do not want to model your life after this guy. But he was a genius in doing the differential diagnostic to solve cases. And he had a saying. He was also very um, jaded and skeptical. But he had a saying, and it really lines up with the word. He said, everybody lies. Everybody lies. Because when he would try to troubleshoot and do these diagnostics, some would, would not tell them something about their health history. They'd lie that they'd done drugs or, or they were promiscuous, something like that. And he found out that, boy, they sure make my job trying to help them hard because they're lying. And he, he said, everybody lies. So I don't want you to feel like, oh, Pastor James is just calling us all liars tonight. The Word of God calls us liars. But we'll get to the good, good, good news. Paul says, all have sinned and fallen short. Raising both hands, right? Paul admits, he says, what he doesn't want to do, he does. Anyone else have that problem? It's just like, man, I know I shouldn't do this. I find, I find this law at work, right? And so there's a lying spirit that wants to try to cling to us. And, and our mouth wants to say the things that don't line up with God's word. And when we do that, we're actually lying. So it's ironic that God's word says that if we say we don't have sin... He calls us a liar. Like, oh man, I need to admit it. I'm going to struggle against sin. I'm not going to live a lifestyle of sin. So everybody lies and we need to own up to it. And we're going to look at that tonight. The crucial issue is this. If we can identify the lies that we speak and get caught up in living and repent of them, amen, and move on, then we can continue to live the divine purpose he's called us to. And that lying tongue, those lying lips, won't corrupt his divine purpose for us. And then we can move on to working out our salvation daily with fear and trembling. I'm a work in progress. Say, I'm a work in progress. That's right. I thought y'all were going to go, you're a work in progress. Glad you owned it. Amen. So let's look at, uh, I'm going to review very briefly and then carve new territory. Let's look at the full verse tonight. We're studying Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. Got a tissue you can send, send up my way, babe. You're amazing. Thank you. No, past couple times I'm preaching, all of a sudden I get the sniffles.
Six things the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, and tonight we're talking about a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that run rapidly to evil, a false witness who declares lies. This is really something he hates because it's in there twice. It's a little different nuance, but. And one who spreads strife among brothers. Okay, so we, we previously looked at, and you can look it up on our, on our website, that this is really a poetic idea that's kind of a decreation. It's six and one is seven. And God created all things in six days. And on the sixth day, he created man. And then on the seventh, what did he do? He rested. So he's done with his perfect work. And then he wants us to move into actually day eight. Uh, seven is, is um, Shabbat rest. Day eight is ruach. That's rest and rule. And so that's what he wants us to do. But the enemy has the, this anti-creation uh, process here. And the Lord identifies and says, I hate those things. I hate that. And, and I want you to be aware of these things so that you don't fall into these traps. The enemy wants to use these six corruptions of divine purpose to enforce a kingdom of strife. The final line there is one who spreads strife among brothers. So the good news is, these are what not to do. There's a good purpose for our eyes, amen? There's a good purpose for our words, and it's not to lie. There's a good purpose for our hands. In my growth group, week one, we looked at the, the Hebrew word for praise of lifting hands. And so that's a good purpose for your hands, to lift them up to the Lord in worship. There's a good purpose for our heart affections, uh, speaking of Valentine's Day, there's a good purpose for that. And, uh, and there's a purpose for our feet and our steps and our direction. And so there's also a divine purpose for our witness, for our testimony. All of these things should flow together in unity with God's fellow servants, you and I in the body of Christ, for the purpose of tending, stewarding, growing, and ruling in his kingdom. All right? The thing is, every day we have a choice. Are we going to allow these, these six, seven corruption things that the enemy is trying to throw our way, uh, call us into that direction, or are we going to take the road to God's glory? We're going to do the opposite. And so I don't get tired of saying this, but it's important to understand that whatever you feed will grow, right? Whatever you feed grows, whatever you starve dies. So we create conditions for growth. You know, you can create conditions for bad things to grow. Cancer is actually healthy. It kills the host, but it's, it, it's healthy because it's being fed. Does, it, does that make sense? Mold, anything, weeds, those are healthy because they're being fed and nourished. So yes, healthy things grow, but not all things are healthy for us. Amen. So when God things are growing and conditions are kept so that God things keep growing, then the enemy is hindered. That's what we want. We want momentum in our spiritual growth on the positive side. But when the elements the enemy prizes, these abominations to the Lord, when they're growing, then the God things get hindered and they get stifled from growing. And so the whole idea is for us to, to remind us, well, what does God want? What does God love? And what does he hate? Don't get tired of looking at the things he hates because sometimes they're in our blind spot and we need to be reminded and we're going to be reminded tonight God hates the lying tongue. Amen. So here's the key verse going back Proverbs 6:16 6, 
uh, there are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him, haughty eyes, and we dealt with that in two weeks, and a lying tongue. I haven't mentioned this yet in the series, but what is an abomination? Makes me think of the um, abominable snowman. Anyone else think of that? It's because of that word, that root word. Well, abomination just means this. It's okay to laugh in church, yes. Even if my jokes aren't funny, you just got to humor me and go, that was cute, Pastor James. Abomination is a thing that causes disgust or hatred. I see you smiling, Bob. I see you. Causes disgust or hatred. It's an offense to God. It's atrocious. It's obscene. It is disgraceful. Disgraceful is absolutely wickedness and pure evil. When your lips lie, that's how bothered the Lord is by that. So when our words don't testify to the truth of God's word, it's a lie. Ouch, right? Our tongue's being used for deception, and God hates that. Our lying tongue is an abomination to God. Working back through the, the progression of this verse, it all starts with our eyes. Our eyes get haughty. Our eyes get on the wrong place and on the wrong things. Our eyes get away from God's word. Then before we know it, we're, to, we're interpreting right and wrong for our own selves. Then our tongues start to, to kick into action. Then we become too quick to speak. And then those lying lips, uh, they lead us to be easily out of alignment with God's word. And then when our words are out of alignment with God's word, they start to catch up with us. And then, oh no, we can't have that deception catching up to us, right? So then our actions begin to affect the innocent. Then our hands start spilling blood, as it says here. Our hearts start making plans to run, uh, run away from truth, and we'll justify anything as a lifestyle. Remember, David did this, and it's no, it's no coincidence that it's written in this proverb of Solomon, this progression. You lie to cover up one sin, and then before you know it, innocent people are victims. Pause and think about that. Our lying tongue is an abomination to God. Proverbs 12, 22. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delight. Notice that lying goes beyond just your lips. The writer of Proverbs here says, lying lips are an abomination, but those who act faithfully are his delight. He doesn't say those who say the right thing instead of lying are his delight. He says those who act faithfully are his delight. So the opposite of lying is the actions of a faithful person. Isn't that interesting? Because our words should confirm our actions, right? Show me, don't snow me. Right? I will know what you live by, what you believe, if your actions line up with your words. So your words, your words, my words, they will bring us pain. How many of you know that? How many of you have had some of your words bring you pain? There's good pain and there's bad pain. There's self-inflicted pain. When our word is our bond, even when it comes at great personal cost, we should not break our word. This is lying. Did you know that? And it's abomination to God. Let's look at it in Psalm 15, 4. The very end of this passage, and then I'm just going to track back through it because it's kind of parallel to the one we're looking at. It says, he takes an oath to his own detriment and does not change. Some translations say swear to his own hurt. Well, what is this describing? It's all part of the process that we're looking at in this key passage. Our divine purpose is to dwell with the Lord, 
to be one with him, to rest and rule with him forever. So let's catch it back at the beginning of this whole text. Psalm 15, verse 1. Lord, who may reside in your tent? Who may settle on your holy hill? Don't you want to be the who? Don't you want to be that one? One who does this, who walks integrity, practices righteousness, and I'll talk about integrity in a minute, and what speaks truth in his heart. There's a truth that lies in your heart, that lives in your heart, not lies. There's a truth that rests in your heart that speaks louder than anything you even say. See, truth begins in the heart. But to follow up with that, verse 3, he does not slander with his tongue. What is slander? Does anyone know what slander is? It's a false statement that damages someone else's reputation. When we lie against the word of God, we're damaging God's reputation. When we lie against our brother and sister, we're damaging their reputation. And God says they're beautiful and they're loved and they're, and they're accepted and they're beloved. And when we come against them, we're, we're lying against God's truth. Does that make sense? You're not just hurting somebody. You're, you're bringing disrepute to the word of God that says someone else is loved and accepted. Does that make sense? Nor do evil to his neighbor, keep going here, nor bring shame on his field. A despicable person is despised in his eyes. And that's just like hating what the Lord hates, right? Hate what the Lord hates. We've got to stop looking at people who behave despicably and say, we admire them because they achieve our goal. It's not right, is it? We've got to get back to saying, that's just despicable behavior. I can't support that. Why? Because he says here, but we want to honor those who fear the Lord. We want to honor those who fear the Lord. And then finally, he takes an oath to his own detriment and does not change. Proverbs 19, 9. A false witness will not go unpunished, and he who breathes out lies will perish. I want to look at this from a couple angles. Satan is the father of lies, right? And we know that he has gonna, he's going to meet his end eventually. Satan is going to finally be destroyed, and that's good news. So when it says, he who breathes out lies will perish, we should shout hallelujah, praise God. The father of lies eventually is going to be gone forever. His end, his future is certain. So in light of eternity, this verse still applies to us as the people of God. What did it say in John 3.16? That whosoever believes in him will what? Not perish. So you have a covenant promise that says, he who breathes out lies will perish. Did you know you deserve to die because of sin? But because of Jesus, you won't perish because you now have repentance and forgiveness of sins. So in light of eternity, that's good news. And we're not just saved from physical death. We're not just saved from eternity in hell. But we're saved from the, the kind of death and decay that can enter our lives on a daily basis, right? So our lives can have wholeness, have integrity, have congruity with the Word of God every day. But when we lie, when we don't speak the Word of God we're actually inviting that corruption of his divine purpose. So the truth remains, lies will not only destroy others in the short term, ultimately it will take life from us. John 10.10, 10, 
The thief comes to steal. The liar comes to steal. But God comes to give us life to the full and overflowing. So you might be saying, well, Pastor James, I know the word. I speak the word. Or, well, there's people that say the right things and they mean well. So let me talk about that for a second. We have to get to a place where we're more than just parroting scripture. Like little kids, they learn by kind of parroting. But mature believers speak the word because a revelation is in your heart, the truth of God's word, and that's where you speak the word of God. Are you getting this? But if you just mindlessly say something and it's not connected to a true heart belief, you're, you're in trouble there. Understand? So let me dig deeper on that. It's more than just quoting scripture. It has to be a rightly divided word of truth, and it has to be true both in our hearts and on our lips. That's alignment. That's where the word integrity comes from. Integrity is the state of being whole or undivided. So we have to discern how scripture, did you know the word of God in all its various parts uh, confirms itself? So the word of God is its integrity. Even the parts that sometimes seem like they're in conflict, they're unified. They're unified in purpose. And just as Pastor Ralph was showing us the triad, right? Jesus, word, truth. Jesus, word, truth. And anything that isn't Jesus is a lie. Anything that isn't the word is a lie. Anything that isn't the truth is a lie. So Satan speaks the word of God. Did you know that? He's good at quoting scripture, but he does it mixed with lies, with falsehoods, with twisting it. He did it in the garden to corrupt the divine purpose. He did it in the wilderness to destroy God's redemptive plan through the sinless sacrifice of Jesus. What if Jesus took the bait? Like a lot of us do. We get off track with what God's word really says and we go off and try to make something happen that's not what he wants. And so... picking up a signal. Someone, someone's watching a video or something somewhere. <laughs> that's, oh, that's awesome. Da, 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 da. So now, okay, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna go down a, a path that I feel like the Lord really showed me and it's may, it might not be something you normally hear when someone talks about the tongue or confession, but it's, it's, um, it's a parallel track. It's another train track. And I feel like the Holy Spirit said, yeah, yeah, James, look at that and then, then unpack that so that we can all have better understanding. So just like Satan who lied and tempted Jesus, when we lie, it's like we're tempting God. You probably never thought of it that way. It's another good, wow, Pastor Ralph, wow moment, right? When we lie, it's like we're tempting God. Jesus said this to the tempter in Matthew 4, 7. Jesus said to him, on the other hand, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. What was Satan doing? He was lying. He was twisting the word. He was mixing it all up to trying to get him to do something. He said, oh, no, no, no. You're not going to tempt me. You're not going to test me to do something that I haven't said I would do. Make sense so far? Psalm 78, 17 and 18. Now this is, this is the, the wisdom 
writings reflecting on a true event, and I'll get to that in a second, but it, it underpins what Jesus said to Satan, Psalm seventy-eight, seventeen. He said, yet they still continued to sin against him, to rebel against the Most High in the desert. And in their heart, they put God to the test by asking for food that suited their taste. I don't like manna. Can I have some filet mignon? Like, let's go back into captivity because at least we ate well. And so when they did this, and when you and I do it in our context, it's like we're saying, God, your daily bread for me isn't enough. The truth of your word really, really isn't good enough. I need to get my fill from another source. I need a new exciting doctrine. I need something with some sizzle. These basic truths of the, of, of, the, of the basic fundamental doctrines of God's word, God's word, they're not exciting enough for me. We want to, like Adam and Eve, eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil because maybe God's holding something out on us. Maybe, maybe we should know more than we know. Or maybe it's like we're saying, I want to make God's word more relevant. Just be careful when you try to do that. You're two steps away from heresy at any moment. So all those things would be lies. Would you agree with that? All those kind of sentiments or thinking? He's enough. Jesus is enough. His word is enough. He knows what we need. He knows when we need it. And the devil's sitting there on your shoulder saying, it's not enough. The word's not enough. And if we come, we succumb to that pressure, we start, it starts tripping out of our mouth. I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to make it. This is going to be the worst day of my life. This is terrible. I can't believe I'm under the circumstances. When we complain, when we grumble, it's the opposite of God's reality. It is indeed a lie. And that kind of lie is more like taunting God. It's like, asking him to do what you what you want him to do now there is a way that you do put God to the test because he asked you to and that's when the word is a revelation in your heart and you declare it and say I know you're my healer and I trust you and I believe you and I receive it amen that's not what this is talking about so here's a sober warning because God has to be true to his word when our words these little lies these big lies when we're not in alignment with his word what happens we come out of under the covering of his covenant amen somebody and so we fall victim to what can happen when we're not living according to his word Ananias and Sapphira they literally lied to the Holy Spirit and dropped dead I don't want to find out if that still happens today, right. Pastor Tom. If there's an Ananias and Sapphira line, I'm going to be way over here. Like, forget it, forget it. Not even coming close. God's serious about this. We want to make sure we're not taking license or liberty. It's like, you know, telling those fishing stories. A little, little license, a little, little liberty. It's a little bigger. We don't want to do that with the word of God. Deuteronomy 6.15. Now here's the very story, the very true account that Jesus was referring. For the Lord your God who is among you is a jealous God. Otherwise the anger of the Lord your God will be kindled against you and he will wipe you off the face of the earth. 
Verse 16, do not test the Lord your God as you tested him at Massa. So when he's saying, get behind me, Satan, don't try to get me to do something because you're unhappy and miserable and frustrated and you've lost and now you want to win. So I love that this place named Massa has a meeting. What does Massa mean? We'll get to that in a second. It means, first I wanted to say, we, um, Satan will come and try to us, get us to complain and to manipulate scripture to accommodate our carnal desires, our fleshly desires, right? God, you really want me to have this. So, so instead of trusting him to bring it to pass, we're trying to manipulate and, and twist. So what does masa mean? Masa, masa means despair. This is saying, Jesus is saying, do not tempt God as you did in your moment of despair. Don't lie, church, when the pressure's on. Right? Keep speaking the word of truth. The children of Israel failed the test in the wilderness. But Jesus passed the test in the wilderness. So we could pass the test in our wilderness. You might be in the wilderness... But you don't have to succumb to despair, right? The lying spirit is there trying to find a place on our tongues. You need to just keep beating it away and say, no, nope, the truth of God's word. See, we think our circumstances have brought us into a desperate place. But the reality is our desperation should be for him. Not against him parents of kids, your, parent, your kids ever get frustrated and they kind of they act out against you when really they need to be just running to you, looking to you for more love and support. It's, a, it's kind of a natural reaction. We're upset. God corrected us. We, we want to push back instead of saying, yes, Lord, I need it. I love you. So in our discomfort, we need to swear to our, our own hurt, Right? When our circumstances bring us into a desperate place, our desperation should be for him. It's our choice. Our tongues can praise him. We can use the breath in our lungs to pour out our praise. Or we can complain. We can rebel against God. So here's a prayer. This is the prayer of desperation. Lord, this hurts. But in my pain... I want to know you as the way more than I want to find the way out of this right now. See, the children of Israel wanted instant comfort instead of God. And so we don't want to make that choice. We don't want to make that same mistake. We want to say, Lord, I want to know you as the way more than I'm looking for some easy way out right now. So see, the wrong response in our moment of despair. What does masa mean, despair? How do you spell despair? D-E-S-P-A-I-R. The wrong response in our moment of despair will bring D-I-S-P-A-R-I-T-Y, disparity between us and the Lord. What is disparity? It's the presence of a breach, a divergence, a gap or a distance. It's an incongruity. It's a lack of integrity. I'm going to say that again. If, if we have the wrong response in our moment of despair, D-E-S-P-A-I-R, then we will bring D-I-S-P-A-R-I-T-Y between us and the Lord. 
disparity, right? Because then when we're out of step with him, we're out of line with him, and our life isn't congruent with his word, it's not truthful. Here's the good news, everybody. You want to know what always is the truth, 100% all the time? Repentance is 100% the truth. Repentance. Just saying, Lord, I'm sorry. I was going this way, and I turn, and I now go this way. That is the most truthful, faithful, reliable thing you can do. And I think we should all do it every day. Lord, it's 8.30, and you know what? I already took a couple of my own steps. I'm sorry, forgive me. Realign my heart, realign my mouth with you. I'm desperate for you. I'm not in despair. I'm not pushing you away. I'm not creating distance, but I'm desperate for you and for your presence. Repentance is always in accordance with righteousness. Haughty eyes don't repent. A lying tongue doesn't repent. But a heart that welcomes the word of the Lord will repent of anything that makes him or his word unwelcome there. God hates lies because he loves us. God hates lies because he loves you. He doesn't want to be at a distance from us. He wants us to be one with him. And as soon as we lie, as soon as we sin, there's separation. When your kids tell you a lie, don't you feel that huge distance all of a sudden? It's a gulf. It's the same way with our Heavenly Father. When we're not honest with him, we've just said, keep out. Shut the door. It causes a breach. First John 2, verse 4. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Lying and deceitfulness is a major issue in the church, and it has been for centuries. Can I get a witness? Can I get a witness? It's still the sin of the garden. Lying tries to cover that our sin has been exposed. Where are you, Adam? I don't know. I didn't want you to know that I sinned against you. Instead of running to the Lord, he's hiding, trying to cover it. The church today fears man more than it fears the Lord. Come on. It hurts. We're more concerned that others don't see our not-so-fully sanctified lives than we are with being right in the eyes of the Lord. Let's stop the charade. Here's what some of these lies that, that we tend to live with, they, they come across like this. Well, I don't want people to see that I'm not perfect and that I have issues. So let me just make sure on social media everything looks perfect. That's a lie. That's not your life. That's a magazine cover. That's a filter that's making you look better than you really are. It's a lie. How about this one? Let me act spiritual at church so people think I'm mature in the Lord. Christianese, bless the Lord. Everything's just great, brother. You know, uh, don't give the devil glory, but don't lie. Just speak the word. You're not going to go wrong with speaking the word. But don't pretend to be spiritual. That's not true. How about this one? Let me just tell you about brother or sister so-and-so. They have some issues. I think we should pray for them. No. No, that's slander. You're just painting a picture that you don't, you don't know what God knows. 
And that's between them and God, and that's just gossip. Come on, come on, somebody. These things ought not to be in the church. Or how about this? Let me just tell you my side of the story before someone else can misrepresent me. Did you know a half-truth is a, is a whole lie? Did you know one side of the story is half, half the truth, so it's a lie? There's only one person with the whole story, and that's God. So what you want to get is together with God. Maybe you need to get together with the brother or sister you have issues with and get before God and let the whole truth bring light and repent and say, I was wrong. I acknowledge my sin. I acknowledge my sin. And then guess what? Anything you ask, the Father will do for you. Right? What would happen in the church if we lived that way? We would lack for nothing. What about this one? Complain about our marriages to other people. That's a lie. The word of God says your marriage is precious. It's a covenant. It's a sacred union. God is blessing your marriage. God is, is, is richly multiplying that beautiful marriage covenant. Don't you dare go destroy that by going and complaining about the, the imperfections of your spouse. Right? Why would we do that? Why would we do that? That's a lie. We should be saying what God's word says about our marriages. We should be saying what God's word says about everything. Satan says to you, you're dying and God's holding out on you. But God says, I died so you could live. And I gave you life. I gave you everything. And I want you to shine for my glory and for my purpose. And God's saying to us tonight in this room and to you who, who are watching, listening. He's saying this, just say what I say in my word. Don't add to it. Don't take away from it. Just, oh, what does the word say, Pastor Tom? What does the word say? What does the word say, Pastor Maureen? Isn't that what Pastor Walt always said? What does the word say? You need to ask yourself that question every day. What does the word say? Not what I want it to say. Not what the big name TV preacher said, what does the word say? And I got to find that and I got to really work on that and then let that be what I say. I say what the word says. God's serious about misrepresenting his word. Deuteronomy 4 and verse 2. Do not add to what I command you and do not subtract from it, but keep the commands of the Lord your God that I give you. And then in Re Revelation, we have a similar passage, a little different light here. I warn everyone who hears the words of prophecy of the scroll, just keep it, keep it on screen. The entire word of God is the prophetic scroll. Did you know that? It is the prophetic revelation of Jesus Christ. If anyone adds anything to them, God will add that person, add to that person the plagues described in this scroll. In other words, the covenant Coming out from under the covenant protection of God by adding to the word, you will suffer this, the consequences. Verse 19, and if anyone takes words away from this scroll of prophecy, God will take away from that person any share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this scroll. So this verse is a snapshot of the totality of scripture. Jesus, revelation is the revelation of Jesus. Jesus as the word, Jesus as the truth. Don't add to it. Don't take anything 
away from it. If you do, you're out of alignment, you're incongruent, there's no integrity, and you're going to have a hard time. Anybody listening tonight? Praise God. James 3.14. See, this isn't a new problem. I said it earlier. This is the, the early centuries of the church. They, they had to be written to about this. He said, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. You might say, well, well I don't have selfish ambition. A lot, of, a lot of people I've heard say this, I just need someone to validate my gift. I'm just looking for a place. God has called me to, to use my gift for his glory. That's a subtle bait and switch thing the enemy does to try to get selfish ambition and self-promotion in the church and it doesn't belong. That's a lie. Until your validation... And look, I'm raising both hands again because I've struggled with this issue for years. Until your validation comes only from the Lord, and until you're willing to serve in total anonymity, you're not going to be any good to him anyway. God help us if we get promoted to a place that's beyond where our character can take. And boy, don't you know, you see it when it happens. It's a big fall. If you find this issue in your heart, if you, if you wish you were in the spot instead of someone else, you've got an issue. Man, they, they shouldn't be there. I should be there, right? That place is for me. If it's always, um, you look at, well, I, why don't I get a break? Nothing's coming my way. I don't, I don't, I don't get a fair share. I don't get a fair deal. That's, that's an issue. That means our heart has become out of alignment with God's word. It's a heart issue. The Bible says that's a lie. It's a lie against the truth. So when that's the case, you find yourself in the place of masa, the place of despair. We don't want to get to that place. But whenever you find yourself in that place, just be warned. Don't tempt the Lord. Don't bear false witness against him because he has a plan for your life. God has a story for you, for me, and we just need to trust his timing. We just need to trust his purpose. So how do we get rid of lies? How do you get the cockroaches to leave a room? Turn on the light. Just speak the truth. Understand this, lying is your old nature. Don't let it thrive in the new nature. It's always knocking. Can I come back in? Nope. <laughs> nope, that's the old James. Ephesians 4.25, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Let's put away the falsehood. Now, I kind of want to read a longer passage that I know we've gotten a little deep on. on it, it, it feels a little heavy in here, but that's okay. The Word of God deals with, with these issues, and we want to know. We want to be aware of them. We want to grow. Um, we're intentional. We're living on purpose this year, right? And so just like uh, whenever God calls our attention to something, then we address it, and then we can deal with it. So that's, let's look at a really good, uh, meaty prescription, healthy. It's just like a, a big vitamin protein shake for our, for our spirit here from Colossians 3, starting in verse 9. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its 
practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Let's pause. Just meditate on that. We've put on the new self. Every day we're being renewed in the knowledge after the image of our creator. We don't have to lie. We don't have to be deceitful. We can live in transparency and authenticity. Verse 11. Here there is no, not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free, but Christ is all and in all. Christ is all and in all. He's enough for us. Verse 12. Put on then... As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. You want to get rid of the lies? You want to get rid of the incongruity with God's word? Compassion in your hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, bearing with one another, bearing with one another, bearing with one another, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against you, forgiving each other. Forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all, above all, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Love casts out fear and all lies Thrive in a fear environment. You, you get rid of the fear, you get rid of the lies. 15, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Finally, and whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen. I want to ask you to take this whole passage and really chew on that and really meditate on that. It says everything it needs to say to help us get rid of the lies that are an abomination to the Lord. Get rid of anything that isn't God's word in our life. Well, thank you, Lord. Did you get anything out of that tonight? I hope so. Praise God. Now, I just want to pray. And as, as with any um, of these items in this series, I just want to invite you to come to the altar. And maybe God is, help, is asking you to deal with this certain issue, or maybe he's revealed something to you. Um, and it's always a good thing to come to the altar and, and spend some time with the Lord. Anyway, so I'm inviting you to do that after service and be respectful. Um, our prayer workers will be up here to pray with if you need that or if you just need to spend time with the Lord. So let's pray. Oh, Lord. I just thank you that your word is truth and it's forever settled in heaven. And, and God, I ask that you would make your forever settled in heaven, word of truth, be settled in my heart so that out of the abundance of my heart, my mouth would speak. And if the word of God is in my heart, then the only thing that's going to come out of my mouth is the word of truth. Lord, help us with that. Help us turn off the junk. 
Uh, turn off the noise. Turn off the lies of the enemy. Stop believing the garbage that he's sending our way. Stop echoing the things that we've heard. Stop saying the things that we've heard said that aren't the truth. Lord, we put a guard over our, our lips. We put a guard over our mouths and say, I will speak right things. I will speak the truth of God. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We are the healed of the Lord. Our salvation has been complete and paid for by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. We are in a covenant, a new and better covenant based on new and better promises. God is perfecting that which concerns us. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love and of a sound mind. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. We are accepted in the beloved. Lord, I just ask that, that the word of God would pour out of the mouths of every person that hears this message and of every person that calls grace and peace home that we would have such a spirit of truth and word of truth that there would be no room for the enemy. We come against division, disunity, discord, strife in the name of Jesus. And we don't just curse it in the name of Jesus. We commit to live it by the grace of God and by the truth of his word. We say we're committing to not speak against our brother or sister in the Lord. We're committing to put a guard over our mouths tonight, to only speak the truth in love. And I thank you for it. What does the word say, Lord? Always put that in our hearts. Always let us be mindful. What your word says, remind us that these things are an abomination to you. You absolutely hate them, and we want to please you in every possible way. So we thank you, Lord. I pray... Um, that this isn't a condemning message, that this is a liberating message, that we are free. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Like Jesus said, go and sin no more. So we go and walk into that next level of our sanctification and the next level of the place that you have for us tonight. We praise you. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.